0: It's a term now that basically means that if Amazon can come into your space and they can offer razor thin margins, they can run you out of town, right? So that's, that's a real threat that a lot of companies are more so brick and mortars, but also ppc are, are trying to figure out like, well, how do we survive in this space?
1: Hey, I'm Blake. And this is the content plus commerce podcast presented by engine e-commerce, the only podcast for people building successful online stores from agency life to being a lone freelancer. We'll be bringing you weekly content full of best practices and in the trenches advice. Hey, this is Blake back with another episode of content plus commerce from engine. Uh, today I've got Yuri Krot of the new normal agency with me. How are you today? You're good. Thanks, Mike. Awesome. Awesome. So to get started, uh, first off, give me a little bit of background on like maybe like your professional history, the new normal agency, and how you guys get started. And then walk me up to today.
0: Sure. Um, I've been in the agency world since pretty much since the start of my career. So I started in 2008. I worked for a development company. And then after five years working with them, um, I sort of had a, what I like to describe as a Early midlife crisis. Um, I wanted to see what what I'd be able uh, to build. Uh, so me and my buddy Alex, we started the company New Normal with uh, with the goal of, of building uh, SaaS product and and custom e-commerce implementations. And since then, we've been able to do real well. You know, so some of our biggest customers were you know, Amazon and Southwest Airlines and Gates Foundation. Uh, but a lot of the b- businesses uh, we like to work with a lot of innovative startups which have innovative ideas and, and present challenges technically that's the kind of work that we love to do
1: fantastic that's really good to hear um so now specifically since content and commerce is all about kind of e-com sites and everything talk to me about like the tools that you use at new normal and kind of how you approach building out an e-com site
0: yeah it depends uh depends on what the client is trying to do of course uh but, but the, we started with building on WooCommerce because back in 2012, WooCommerce was sort of the, the biggest player, and um, so we did a lot of implementations, a lot of customizations on that. Uh, it was about the time that a lot of the businesses went from sort of retail model into subscriptions. Uh, so, and and WooCommerce was not really good with that. So we started looking for other things and. And the more we looked at um, at, at different tools, at some point Shopify became a significant player, and and Commerce and all all, all of those play, players uh, became significant. Uh, but but for the last few pr- projects that we did, we find ourselves having to build almost these custom platforms because uh, the competition in the especially in the DTC space is huge. Everybody wants to uh, go, do retail, but more so, it's residual income, right? So they want to. To be able to build subscription models, and then uh, the subscription has to then support and integrate uh, with with shipping companies and and the reverse logistics, which is refunds and and all that types uh, type of thing. And oftentimes, we do not find platforms that would encompass all of that, so we have to almost gather that piece by piece from from different companies companies which or, or SaaS products which specialize in, in each space.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's that's something that uh, like the team here at Engine has seen as well. That on the surface, like most DTC brands, seem like they have a pretty simple business model of of sell X product to Y consumer. And then as soon as you start to dig into kind of their actual business model and logistics, their e ecom site has to be so much more advanced than a lot of the off the shelf platforms can can provide.
0: Exactly, and I think you know one of the biggest things that that we discovered for agency space, and I think you guys are seeing this too, is is when the client comes to you first, they they're like, well, this is what we need. This is not, really not anything complicated. But then as you start talking about it, there are questions that they had not thought through, but you guys know and aware. And that develops from a simple idea into something that needs really the special
1: treatment oh exactly and then they have the 30 integrations they need to actually run their business from the erp system <laughs> to uh like order transmission to the third-party logistics provider that is actually a like a warehouse from the 70s that's still using like a an old school mainframe
0: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. yeah you know and and you can see this in dtc brands all the time right so the, the cost of doing business in the online retail space is, has gone down, right? You can, you, you can use a coal pack or you can use Amazon to ship out your stuff. So, and that makes it easier to run a business, but makes it more complicated to implement something, something like that technically.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, now that you dropped the A word, uh, we'll talk about Amazon <laughs> for a little bit. Uh, how do you, what do you feel about this whole like Amazon basics, uh, coming in to kind of squash D C brands trend that we're seeing? Like what are what's your opinions on that?
0: I think it's a, it's a real threat. Like that's what Amazon does, right? So with a lot of these success stories of, of companies that were sold uh, to Amazon, like diapers.com or even Zappos, Mm -hmm. like I know they're, they're spun as success stories, but they really were Amazon, right? It's a term now that basically means that if Amazon can come into your space and they can offer razor thin margins, they can run you out of town, right? So that's that's a real threat that a lot of companies are more so brick and mortars, but also DTC are, are trying to figure out, Like, well, how do we survive in this? space?
1: Sure. And so, especially if your product can be easily duplicated, like if there's even if you have significant IP around it, if it is a plastic yeah. widget or something that's not necessarily a complex, like electronic product, it's very yeah. easy for Amazon to kind of like hone their sites in and acquire it
0: exactly and you don't need the highest quality of that stuff mm-hmm. right so you buy pans or or the wall plugs or whatever you don't need it to be top notch like you just need it to be good enough and i think that's what they're writing on
1: Yes, and a lot of DDC brands are having to kind of build that hedge, uh, against Amazon coming in and squashing them like that. I know that, um, I've talked to a guy that, that runs a, uh, a gaming product essentially, and what he had to do was he had to say, okay, like my loyal members go out there and, and buy the competitor's product and, and review it and be honest about it and talk to about, like, why, uh, what we've built is better than this kind of uh, follow on competitor. So it's it's getting to be like a dangerous space where there's a lot of it's the barrier to entry for like for Amazon to compete with a lot of these DTC brands that hustle every day is, is getting easier and easier.
0: Yeah, it's sort of like it's becoming uh, who controls the means of production, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so let's flip back to kind of like building e-com experiences again. What I would love to hear from your perspective is like as an agency, what are the, some of the common challenges that you face or what are some of the hard parts that really kind of where you feel you're in the trenches like working against uh, yourself or the platform or the technology you're working with?
0: Uh, one of the biggest trends we're seeing is, is people are seduced by the idea of rather than just selling something to a customer once, you want that residual income from them, You want them to come, keep coming back or everybody wants to emulate the dollar share club. Um, but what we find is that there's not enough, um, education or understanding around what it takes to actually go from, uh, a simple online retail business into, uh, into subscription, right? So, uh, we, we did a several implementation subscriptions and one of the biggest things that we're seeing is, um, the companies want to remain flexible in what they offer. So we had this experience with um, a company that was um, selling coffee and they, and they were, um, they were getting people to sign up for a coffee club, but they wanted to allow people to uh, change their order every month. So th- this year, this month you want to get Brazilian and Sumatran, but next uh, you want to get something else. Right. And and the price would change. So, um in so on our first run we had to do a real convoluted system where if the if the customer changes the order then the price has to change So we have to regenerate the order and then send different uh different invoices and different communications based on that uh, subscriptions is really about automating everything and and and, and le- letting it go until until something needs to change in your strategy and 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 communication with the client so uh there needs to be a bigger, um, bigger effort on education, understanding what subscription model really means. Right? Subscription model is basically what New York Times does. Right? Is you pay seven ninety nine or fifteen ninety nine to them every month, and you get a, a paper. Right? So for the for the coffee company that we worked with, eventually uh, we settled on well charge a little bit more for the subscription and allow them to choose whatever copy they want without changing the price because internal logistics of it and we use the authorize.net and and, and authorization tokens that creates such a mess in into what we're delivering how we're shipping what kind of shipping labels that happens but then also accounting because uh, how do you know It's, it's not easy to calculate what's the LTV of a client if they're uh, if, if, if their charge changes every month right and then how do you know why they cancel right because that's another variable that goes into uh, that goes into the calculation so it, make it as clean as possible and as a simple of uh, of a Client offering if you can—that—that that would be my my biggest uh, point of advice and frustration at this
1: point. Yeah, you were—you're uh, speaking the the exact same language that kind of inspired us to build the the subscription platform into Engine. We just we saw so many potential complications and then such a like, wide variety of uses of why people would want their products to be subscribable. And then there's also like the the added nightmare of if you're already on an econ platform. Uh, with active subscribers hopping to another e-com platform and picking up those tokens with you. That is, uh, we, we've moved several brands over, but that is one of those kind of like dangerous traps that a lot of people don't take into mm. account because what you don't want to do is have a list of all your subscribers and then you have to send out an email that says, Hey, we're, we're changing platforms. We now need you to go back into your order, uh, and reconfirm or reconnect your account because you're going to have the people that are like, Oh crap. Uh, I was only subscribing to that and I'd forgotten about it. I'm going to go ahead and cancel now.
0: Exactly. That's a very dangerous point because you know, half half of the success of subscriptions that people set it and forget it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, and that's you know how a lot of um, how a lot of the ways you, you make money. So if you give them a chance of to opt out or to renew, you are going to lose a lot of that
1: business. Oh yes, and you also hinted on like the cancellation reasons. And there's a there's a brand out there called Care of, and they do like these monthly uh, vitamin packs, and they have probably the best interface I've ever seen for like canceling or delaying. Uh, Your monthly subscription where they have like these very verbose reasons that are like you select like one through five. It's super mobile friendly, big tap targets where you're selecting like, here's why I'm delaying this. Like, oops, I forgot mm. to take my vitamins every day. So I have 10 packs left over at the end of the month. And over time, mm. I'm positive that their data guys are just getting smarter and smarter about how often they need to actually send these packs. Um, how many pill packs they need to include in the box. All that cool stuff. It's just the recording that data is so valuable for these subscription brands.
0: Great. It's data driven. Mm -hmm. I love that. You know, I have another example of this. I think audible does it real well. I've, at some point I've accumulated so many points and there's only like, you can have six maximum. So I wanted to cancel and they're like, well, why are you canceling? And one of the reasons was mine, which is, you have to, I have too many points. I cannot, cannot use them. So I'm just paying you $15 for nothing. And they said, "Well, let's put you on 30-day 30 30-day 30 uh, delay, and then we'll renew." And then they gave me like five or six other options in three steps. And a couple of times I said, well, that's actually a good point. I, I'm not listening to audiobooks that, that much more. So I put it on a three months a pause and then it renewed. So they're doing it real well as well in, in keeping the customer.
1: Yeah, it's almost like that degradation of service rather than outright, cance- outright cancellation. You're pushing them to a, like, either a cheaper option or a delayed option where maybe in a month you'll have the hooks back in them to keep them paying.
0: And that's that's very much uh, substantiated by uh, by science, right? Or, mm-hmm. or by research, which says it, it takes 5 to 25 times much more cost or, or money to get a new customer than it, to keep an old one. So I think what they're doing is very, very efficient.
1: Yeah, it's all about that retention. Now, I know when I reached out, um, you said that you wanted to talk a little bit about loyalty programs. So let's get into that.
0: Yeah, that, that's an interesting thing. So uh, in the past few months, we sort of are um, narrowing our, our niche of expertise into loyalty programs because uh, the market is changing. So in fact, one of the things that prompted us to do this is is some of the research that, uh, that we read. And, and Nielsen, uh, for example, they have quite a bit of research around this. One of the more startling statistics that we saw was that only 8% of customers identify as being loyal to a brand. Right. And the younger you go, the, the last that number becomes. So, younger people are, are, uh, you know, as myself, like a millennial, who we're, uh, we're trying new brands all the time, right? And we're not, don't have that affinity that, that we used to in the past. So, uh, both for brick and mortar and DTC brands, the question, apart from, you know, danger for Amazon is, is how do we keep customers coming back to us rather than try a new thing? So, that's how we got into this, um, uh, into the space and and we now consult uh consult retail brands uh, over over loyalty programs
1: now a lot of people when they look at a loyalty program they think um of like going into a store and getting their like little ticket stamped and they accumulate 10 points and then all of a sudden they get something free but ddc brands mm-hmm. are showing it can be so much more than that so do you have any kind of like exemplars in the space that are doing it right that have like awesome loyalty programs
0: yeah, I mean, in my mind, in my book, uh, the two brands that are awesome at this are Starbucks, uh, which is native to where I live in Seattle, and, and second is Southwest Airlines. Uh, I think Starbucks is really innovative in this space uh, because uh, they're data-driven as well, but uh, the genius is when you walk into a location – you don't interact with any other brand but Starbucks because they have the app. You can do online ordering, you can pay with it. So you don't have to pull out your visa and and kind of remember that you don't have to pull out, open your wallet. The only brand you're interacting with is, is Starbucks. Uh, In in general, uh, the, the trend for 2019 and, and and will continue into 2020 is, is personalization at scale, right? So, um, the trick there is to make your customer feel like they're the only customer for you in the world. Um, and the way you do it is by analyzing what they buy from you, how often, at what time, and take all that metadata and then personalize offers to them. Because they, for example, whenever I go into, into a coffee shop, I always get soy caramel latte. That's my, that's my go to drink. So it's, it will be relatively easy for, um, for, for the, Coffee shops to know that about three times a week I go at around 11 a.m. and get the same drink. So, to get me uh, to increase my LTV for them or to get me back into the store more often would be to say, well, on, on Thursdays, let's say 10 to 12 p.m., 10 to 12 a.m., we're having half off for, for the soy caramel, caramel lattes. So, that kind of personalization. Uh, is is the way to combat both Amazon and both the disloyalty that we 're seeing in the, in the marketplace in general
1: yeah completely agreed and one question i 've got for you about loyalty programs if you 're a if you 're a d to c brand kind of operating in a vertical you 're selling kind of one style of item uh, how do you get customers interested in in a loyalty program like well, you don 't have the wide reach of starbucks you don 't have that wide appeal How do you approach that or what do you recommend for that?
0: yeah I mean a lot of the programs are mainly concerned with uh keeping a customer other than acquiring it so for DTC brands i mean the the channels are are pretty defined right you go to where your customers are most likely on instagram and and do something uh something fresh some use influencers but once you've got uh those customers how do you get how do you keep getting their uh, their attention and and the difference between book and order – and DTC is that with DTC, you don't walk past uh, a location and say, Oh, yeah, there's that store. Maybe I should walk in. So you have to find other ways of, of keeping their attention. And while email and, and SMS work, they, if you don't use them right or use them more often than let's say once a week, they will, they will get annoying and people will unsubscribe. I, I think one of the bigger ways um, to do it is, um, is to put your brand in their pocket. So use either the, uh, iPhone wallet cards, mm. which can which can send messages, or if you can afford uh, afford and build build an app, right? Because you can send push notifications, and an app is great because uh, it will give you so much more information. You can ask for their location access and use use uh, depending on where they are, send them different offers or. Or kind of study the, the behavior they display, and uh, well, with with privacy concerns in, in place, of course. But um, try to get as much uh, attention in their from, from their phone as, as you can. Um, and another great thing that, that can will come out of it in the in the nearest future, I think, is is once you figure out what else is important to your customers, then you can market to that, and it will create. Uh, this uh, this uh, what's called um, an emotional attachment or emotional loyalty. So, for example, um, I'm a I'm a customer of Amex uh, Amex Platinum card, and they have figured out this real well. Because apart from just selling me the card, they also say, well, we'll give you access to uh, to your airport lo- uh, lounges. We'll give you access, free access to uh, internet on the plane and stuff like that. So uh, once once you know who your customers are. And what they care about beyond your value prop that's a huge boost into into them remembering your brand and and responding positively to to the message you send.
1: Yeah, completely agreed. We've got a, uh, we have a brand on engine actually that's like a sportswear lifestyle brand and they're using a hybrid of a influencer and loyalty program where they actually kind of have a, a college rep program that each of them mm-hmm. gets their own kind of unique discount code and then they're driven to make sales through that discount code where they can kind of rank up in this uh, influencer program and eventually earn like stickers and free gear and like a rep badge and all that stuff. So it's this very interesting interesting play that's kind of halfway in between direct influencer and loyalty programs. So they went after kind of those small mm. pond college influencers that are, uh, that are right in their target market, didn't go after the big guys that cost $10,000 a post, but instead went to like right to their audience, created lifelong fans mm. that are now like monetarily incentivized to build more fans.
0: And that's what I love. I think that's the future. Is is Amazon is not that agile anymore, right? So once what once these brands are, are smart about smart about marketing, and then can figure out niches um, in um, in in the social fabric where they can insert themselves and naturally and and provide value and make it interesting for influencers or for the buyers. That's what's going to allow them to win over the you know behemoths.
1: Yep, for sure. So. Last question before we wrap this up. Where do you see the e-com market going over the next year and a half, two years? So we're in this huge wave of like well-branded, beautiful, trendy DC websites. That's obviously going to continue. What do you think is going to be something interesting that might catch people off guard?
0: Um, I think DTC will grow a lot, right? And some DTC will figure figure out that they will need to have physical location. I think that's, that's interesting. And a lot of, not a lot of people are, are expecting that. But um, at some point, I've seen this with, uh, with my favorite coffee company in Seattle, which is, uh, Storyville Coffee is. They started as a purely direct to consumer and, and subscription model for, for coffee. But then they, they said to really make our brand recognizable, we need locations. So they opened up like five locations um, in the city. I think at some point, it all has to come back to analog. Right, because there's so much noise in the online. There's there's only so many ways to communicate there and stand out. That at some point, if you're successful enough, you're recognizable enough, you will want to give them an experience. So um, a friend of mine is is uh, has started an experience company with with a similar goal of of trying to helping uh, help uh, retail businesses. And what we're what in talking to him, what I'm what I'm seeing as well is that. A lot of these brands who just sell retail are starting to provide these experiences to their customers to solidify uh, their brand in their minds. I, I know Lululemon actually is building a flagship store in, in a Chicago mall where it's only one floor of, of their uh, merchandise, but the other floor is a restaurant. There is a, there's a gym and with the idea that when you want to experience our brand, it's all about Emotion and what you can do, and what this brand means represents you in, in your head. So I think experiences and going offline for some of the DTC brands is going to be is going to be what what next year is going to bring.
1: Yeah, it's this concept of like experiential retail, where a brand that was born online, that maybe kind of cut their teeth on pop up shops, now starts to create these permanent pop up shops where you can go to actually kind of live and breathe a brand. I mean, Casper has like the the nap pod. Uh, mm. like traveling car now I know that like, I mean, like look at like Lush I mean they're not necessarily born online mm. but like you go in there and it, it feels like an experience it feels like something more than just buying soap so it's that emotional mm. connection with the brand that's going to have them coming back whether it's on their phone or back into the store
0: exactly and yeah <laughs> you said it very well
1: awesome awesome thanks so much for your time Yuri today I really appreciate it uh, looking forward to hearing more uh, big things good things coming from New Normal
0: Oh thanks, yeah, thanks for having me. It was
1: fun. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe. Also, if you'd like to talk to Engine about our agency partner program, then visit enginecommerce.com slash agency.